G'day, so we're further exploring the post-consumer transitioning. In today's episode, we're going to look at the alignment of values and the way how that we can read uh, meaning in uh, to this kind of saying beyond the way how it's usually framed. So corporations um, tend to uh, spruik the virtues of their values. People do as well. You also have state actors. I mean, you only have to look at the way how uh the propaganda that gets spewed out of the west in particular it likes to think that it holds up these certain values of democracy and freedom of speech but it's it pays lip service to these values when it suits them so you know you can point the finger at russia all you want but if you have a history of disregarding international law like the united states has then you're you're the way how you hold out your values everybody knows that you're doing it cynically and especially countries that have been subjected to the violence of the the states or any colonial powers throughout history you're very much aware of so it kind of wears thin but the way how that we can read this, you can read, you know, state actors that would, you know, that pontificate from on high um, and read that in reference to also to the alignment of values within, say, a commercial enterprise. And then the way and the way how that you can read the movement of wokeism and extreme forms of activism that maybe is prevalent, especially when the the what um when say climate change in inverted commas sucks up all the air and so people rail against oil all right um to you know or capitalism where the major the only reason why that they can do this is because the, the that input of energy anyway is underwrites our way of life to such a degree that people these people can only be in a position to do that because of what of of what um that input of energy has allowed so um it comes kind of late we could say that and this is maybe a, a way the way i'll frame it is that all these movements are really evocative of the form of life of the consumer failing so i always talk about that if a way of life produces a form of life and yet we only give um the way how we understand a consumer is reducible to the agency that we are credited rather than the claim that we acquit ourselves of, then we won't understand the way how intangibles gets marketed. So values are marketed is evocative of, of trying to generate a return on intangibles. Because if you think that prior to intangibles becoming uh, commodified, you know, people were sold on the, the, the wonders of, say, the industrial um, base, especially after the war, we could say, especially within the 50s and 60s after the war, you had this explosion of consumer kind of um, goods and services. And so the way how, you know, life was marketed, well, life was marketed through the, conven- the, the wonders of all the machines that were produced to make life easier. And so they are, like we could say that there's... Um, time-saving devices but the issue of any saving of time is always in reference to the claim that's been made on time and as i always say that if we presuppose time to have value then we'll ultimately have to acquit ourselves of that claim because we might individualize that value but that value is given as an input to produce a form of life that goes along with the development of uh, mass communi- mass forms of communication and the mass market, in inverted commas. And so the antecedents to, to that 
extend beyond even the development of the mass market because you're really looking at the way how that you're accounting for time but then the way how the accounting of time becomes something that becomes there's a totalizing claim that's made on time all right so when you when life is um say if you look at um, the development of uh, free market enterprise, you know, essentially originates out of the secularization of Christian theology, then you can very much see that the understanding of time has its context within within Christianity or within the um, the sacred, we could say. But then the way how it the, the way how it gets immunitized when you're looking at the the discipline because if you read enough of the secularization um the secularization movement which occurs over a few hundred years a lot of the, the reformers in inverted commas were ultimately very religious and they they railed against the the rowdiness of the plebs or the people and so therefore it's how do you discipline people in reference to 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 well to their faith all right to the faith that other people had ultimately this is half the problem is that you have zealots all right that ultimately are wanting to control people and so the 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 you could say that the end product of that control is a is a, a way of life that there's a totalizing claim that's been made on time that that maintains you as marginal because you have to produce yourself you if you acquit yourself of a claim that's made on time then you're ultimately acquitting yourself of a transcendental claim that harks back to a religious origin and so as i always say that the most virulent um um, atheist is religious just as religious as what any Christian is because it's your actions your actions always speak louder than the words so if you designate yourself as an atheist or you designate yourself as having some faith it doesn't mean anything when your actions are exactly the same so if you practice economizing actions you have to understand well what is what's my actions predicated on it's predicated on attributing a spiritualized understanding of time all right to destroy the existential the existential that it is so you remove all existential integrity or integrity out of life when you do so and so you have essentially where does god hide where does the understanding of god let's put it this way because like i said it's religious so when you're looking at that if our way of life is now produced the consumer is the product and everybody knows that you're attention if you're looking at the attention economy in adverted comms it's your time but the attention economy is orientated towards what well it's your time given to leisure so therefore the competition between platforms is in reference to is based upon the division that courses through your life and the issue with understanding the attention economy or to understand that you are a product all what you what what people what happens in that case is that people don't understand that the the there's a lack of differentiation or the indistinguishability between time given as an economic good or time in your labor or leisure it's indistinguishable when you're looking at the totalizing claim made on it to produce you as a consumer so you can be orientated towards your time in leisure and so therefore have options in the way you spend it all right so that issue it regions it it doesn't address the marginality of our time. And so when you don't address the marginality of time, all you are doing is sanctioning the form of life in order to be solved for you not to see the claim that you acquit yourself of. So as I always say that, you know, if there's a totalizing claim that's made on time, then we uh, we have an existential totalitarianism that necessitates an existential uh, totalizing propaganda, an existential propaganda. 
And yet we can't see that because we're sold on our agency. So what we do is what we we only see the world through the niches or through lenses, through our wants ultimately, because once again, you know, we're sold not to see. So we are sold not to see that the way how that we can be orientated towards aligning with our values sells a form of life or sells a way how we're marginally given to them because we're only given to them through the interests that the form allows. So classic example, if I have a choice between uh, t two different businesses where I want to work for and that one uh, business spruiks the virtues of its values and I consider that they align more with me as a person, well, then my preference for where I work, and that can be the determiner of it. So that's a marginal difference between one business or another. So that marginal difference does not address the marginality of me as a person. All right. So because once again, you are not a person, you are a person supplementary to the form of life that you are managed through. And so if a business can only align with your values um, or they or they spruik the alignment of values, what's the ultimate value that you both presuppose? It's your time given as an economic good. It's the value that you attribute to time because both of you don't address it because you're ultimately sold. Both are sold on what? You're sold on being a consumer and obviously the businesses as well because that is a customer first orientation. So it can only have a customer first orientation if it's sold on the consumer first. You are sold on the consumer just as much as what the business is, all right? Because ultimately the question, the question of your uh, values is never given in reference to what underwrites them, which is the preeminent value, all right? So this is why when you're looking at difference you know, one of degree and compared to one of kind, the degree of alignment, well, what does that mean? That means your alignment is in reference to the line that's made on time, the way our time is turned into a line. If you would, if you align with values, then you can only sanction a way of life that is a buyer's journey, all right? And it's, so think of um, the way how the West spruiks in inverted commas its values. How does that not indicate in any possible way, the, the way what they've set out is a buyer's journey. And think of the Great Reset, as I always say. The Great Reset is a, the way you can read the Great, great Reset is that it comes at the end of, of a, and it doesn't do this with the, in, in near, doesn't do this with the awareness of what it's doing. All right, because if you read, if you read the form of life failing, nobody puts it in this way, as I always say. Because why? Because people are sold on their values. All right, you know why is stakeholder capitalism spruiked as as being somehow the future for capitalism? It's all you can see what it's doing. It's leveraging the aspiration that people have, but couches it in a way that it's just going to maintain a continuum. But it's going to market difference. But it's based upon what's the difference? There's no difference But when, uh, when a buyer's journey is still set from shareholder capitalism and inverted commas to what would be stakeholder post the reset and ESG scores and all this fucking shit. It's the same thing with um, stakeholder capitalism or corporate social enterprise, cause marketing, social, social enterprise, mission-driven enterprises, the whole paradigm all right, the whole paradigm is given in in the way that you can read all of it. All right, you can read all of it, and the way you can read it, if you like, it's like classic example is that um, they talk about the Earth. So, what's its environment? It's the social and governance, I think, is ESG. So, the environment is what? Well, the environment is like how do you approach the issue of the environment? 
Well, it's through the externalities, the negative externalities of the production processes of the industrial base of a society. All right. So what does that sanction? It sanctions the form of life. You never, the form of life is a given because you don't realize that if, if there's a, say if there's a production to a good and there's a, a negative externality and we, could, we understand, we're aware of that. The, the issue that we have to, the only question that you have to ask is that, well, if we produce ourselves as a, as a consumer, is there an externality to that? People don't question it. Because if they did, then that requalifies the issue of the way how the environment gets framed. All right? But why? How can we say that? Because it's foundational. Because all the paradigm of business is based upon you being a consumer. All right? That's it. That's it. The social in there is exactly the same. The social what? The social presupposes the relationality reduced to want or what is the negative externality of our being produced as consumers. We outsource care or we don't credit ourselves with creativity. All right, so therefore the social, and this is the same for social enterprise or the social economy or however way you want to describe it, it never looks at the relationality of the social. And so if you looked at the relationality of the social, then you're going to understand, well, what's the base for that social? All right, and if you did that, the base for the social is the consumer that is a given. But if we only consider the consumer to be reducible to the agency that we're credited, we won't understand the way how that we uh, produce ourselves as consumers outsources the social. All right, so it can be marketed to us through events, through socially sanctioned events, through the commercialization of social life. All right, it's perverse. It is. Classic governance. What's governance? Governance is just managing you through the frames that filters the person so you always recede. If you don't credit yourself with creativity, then you outsource care or you outsource your concern where somebody takes it up to manage you. Manage you in reference to what? Well, it's what underwrites your relationality of your everydayness, which is the question of spirituality. So ESG, corporate social responsibility, the whole fucking paradigm doesn't have a question about about spirituality you know and it doesn't nobody does nobody everybody thinks of spirituality as being some kind of fluffy thing but you only have to look at your actions speak louder than words your actions are underwritten by a question of spirituality that you don't even know or maybe if you do so once again you have to look at the difference between spiritualities the difference between independence and what would be indivisibility and then compare the difference compare them on their merits which one enables you to explore or express yourself as a singular person and you know which one is it all right this is the thing this is the way you look at it which one is more ennobling of a person which one enables um um a majority of people to express maybe the 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 singular nature of their being compared to one that conditions you that conditions you through a culture that is absent ultimately. Because as I always say, if you, if you reduce your relationality down to want, you are removing culture, you're removing the way that you can embody an ethos to become a custodian of law. All right? It's law as an L-O-R-E, not L-A-W. So this is more evocative for tribal people. So you know, tribal people have a sense of self because they are they have a compact understanding of their cultural domain. All right, it's the problem with obviously um, tribal people is that it's it's circumscribed to a, a very you know individualized uh, domain that's localized, and so therefore you have the issue of violence of tribalism. 
But when you're looking at the form of life that transcends the understanding of identity, that's completely different. That's where you can understand that if you're dealing with the question of spirituality and so therefore an ethos that you can body, so you become a custodian of a law, well, that's in reference to a form of life that's transcendent. So that means to say that's the way how you retribe the whole planet that's not based upon the the understanding of identity, the way how we've, what we've known throughout history. But if you get sold on on what? Aligning with values when the form of life, and, so, and through that, the form of life recedes, what you're going to do is that you're going to designate a good. And so if you look at, say, the activism that it's, that's occurring now, well, if a person, if, if say if a person holds themselves, right, what are they? They're a consumer. And they, so they, they demand the good, ultimately. They demand the good of the world, all right? Because if you, if you feel that there's a problem with the world, all right, through the narratives that you're sold on, and so you take exception to the world, the world has to align with your values. So you, you place a demand upon the world, and so that, that can lead itself towards this activism that can dis- disrupt disrupt people in their everydayness. Now, the disruption is what? The disruption is not constructive or, or a conducive to a question because ultimately what you're doing is that you are you are acting in a way where if I if you can't see this, then I'm going to make you see this. And so because my agency, so let's look at, say, veganism as a classic example or, or the way how even recently you've seen people like, you know, poor Milcat and all this kind of stuff. If these these people make a choice, all right, not to consume animal products as a consumer, okay. So if if you if 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 I if if I'm not going to drink milk, then you're not going to drink it, all right. So what they're doing is they are designating the good of their agency as being the model that should be adhered to. This is how authoritarianism uh, authoritarian it is, and it lends itself towards. Uh, um, supporting power structures. Wokeism is obviously the the best example of supporting a form of moralism. All right, we like to think that our supposedly uh, our um, world is is really amoral. That is the way our the world is. You know, look at state actors. You know, like the way how that they um you know the U.S. Is exceptionalism, but it's driven by this religiosity. Ultimately, and exceptionalism is what you know. You look at the trope of if you're looking at Christianity, takes it up from Judaism as being the chosen people. And this this trope gets actualized to European history so many, so many times. It gets regurgitated over and over and over again. Well, this, you know, US is just the, the like the next in line to take up basically a form of exceptionalism. But the exceptionalism is based upon a religious understanding of having a mission. You only have to look at the way how it is now framed as somehow being mission-driven of what preserving the order, the rules-based order, and that without the U.S.'s tutelage or its um, its kind of sh- it's the way how it acts as a sh- the good shepherd, then there's going to be chaos because you're going to have these other powers that rise that are antithetical towards the or the antithesis they would say towards like um, their values that they hold out. But think of like the difference between China, Russia, and America. And or any other power center when the form of life, the consumer is exactly the same. 
And so once again, if the consumer is exactly the same, what's the issue here? When you're looking at the way how values or difference, there are difference, but their differences in degree. This is the issue. They do by degree. Because what's the main issue? That we, our economy is a command economy, irrespective of where you are. Why is it a command economy? Because you are commanded to produce yourself as a consumer. So when you attribute value to time and you feel you don't have a choice in the way our time is given to you, so therefore what you do is that you all you do is you sanction that command. because the cho- And therefore what happens is that choice gets split into preferences. The exceptionalism, so we're talking about the difference in sec- exceptionalisms, the exceptionalism would have to be orientated towards a choice that you feel that you don't make. When you equivocate time with a value, so you are sold not to see that the equivalence that you make ensures that you acquit yourself of that transcendental claim, you don't realize that you have to make an exception to that. Because if you make an exception to that, what are you doing? You're no longer accepting the means that's utilized to produce a form of life so you can be orientated towards a bias journey and that bias journey is bound together. All right, And all countries do it. You've got to think, it doesn't matter whether you're not in communist China, you're in supposedly the free West, it doesn't matter. Life has been set as a buyer's journey. It's an imperial form of life of the consumer. So when it goes around the globe, and that is what is being held out for planetary civilization, you're only looking at the, com- the, com- the competition of realms that manage a form of life. Okay, So you have to look at... And so that's why that's why values get spruiked, especially when you, you if you're looking at the multipolar world, then and then you have the ascendancy of say uh, power states or what would be the fair world order in inverted commas, and you know the U.S. after the war has been an ascendancy, and so therefore it has you know vassal states, it has it tries to subordinate states, it acts with impunity with the way how it's just you know throughout the the you know decades that it has been unsurpassed. Now you have these these rivals, and so therefore it's trying to preserve you know, its sphere of influence. And so maybe you could see that, that what's occurring is that it's going to, if it can't main, if it can't actualize the globalist dream because of the, the power centers that are, that are obviously um, now vying in a geopolitical sphere, then it's going to preserve basically what it can now. The issue, as per always, is that that presupposes people the Great Reset presupposes people can be managed. The Great Reset does not credit people with any agency, right? Because our commercial paradigm does not, because we don't. All right. So if you get sold on values, and it doesn't matter what it is, it could be values of diversity, you know, equality, it doesn't matter what the value is. You only have to, because if you get sold on it, what are you doing? You're sanctioning. The, the principal value, the only value, actually, it's the only value. You are acquitting yourself of a religiosity that you're not even aware of, so therefore that these values can be products. Why else do you think there's virtue signaling corporations that leverage values? I mean, it gives you an indication that because they're products. And so it's whether or not they've got the smarts to recognize that uh, is what's the risk that if we run with this, would there be a backlash or won't there? And so, you know, what they, they do is that they balance the competing claims against the virtue that they hold themselves in. But the virtue is based, is conditioned. It's conditioned. And this is the issue. It's conditioned. So that means to say that if you're orientated towards your values in inverted commas, there's a separation that you maintain. That means because culture... 
the culture you're not in you don't embody a culture think of the way how people that go pour milk out in in like in supermarkets or whatever are they embodying a culture no obviously they're not but they can't embody a culture when you know culture has been removed from our everydayness because we only relate to each other through our wants and this is the issue that we're ultimately grappling with it's nihilistic our culture is when you reduce a relationality down to want so the way how that you orientate beyond that as i always say is that you're looking at if tribal people had initiations, which obviously they did, you know, take a child to become a man or a woman or whatever, and they had certain rites of passage, we're looking at a civilizational rite of passage that is transcendental, not transcendental, but is a global one. And what? how can you say that? Well, the form of life is gone right around the globe. It's imperial. So therefore, what, what happens is that there's a rite of passage that you have to undergo in order to transcend that. All right, because the, the rite of passage is evocative of, of, of tribal people, but it's obviously it's different to it because we look, the context for that initiation is completely different. So this is the way how, like as I said, that if, you know, if, if identity for tribal peoples was circumscribed and then you're looking at what would be the initiations, you've, what would be the initiation in this context is being, becoming aware to begin with, you, what what is a prerequisite is to know that you that you have to undergo, and it's like is it a trial? It's only a trial if you feel that the claim of the past is something that you want to maintain. So you want to maintain your marginality. So think of the way how COVID comes along to qualify to create a gap. That's all it's doing. So that's why I call it's glo- it's a global pause. So depending on which way you read this, you'll read meaning into that absence. I always say to my children that you you will have this forever in your lives to reflect upon for your generation to read meaning into it. And so you will determine the meaning of it, not um, like some kind of managerial cast. You guys will. Because then what you'll do is you, you, the more that you grow into that and more you read meaning into it, what you'll do is that you'll understand that adults, in inverted commas, are the ones that are ultimately responsible and so, therefore, if you are going to take up the new, and this is what youth allows, then what's that new that you allow? What is it? How do you read meaning into an absence? So, therefore, what you do is that you frame a separation. And this is what this is what you could say. This is is this by design? Oh, who knows? But that's the way how that you make good on it. You make good on it through the way how because that will always be there to reflect upon. And so, therefore, what it comes down, it comes down to the conversation that people have. Because, say, let's say that if you, the only way that you become politically aware is through the, the through COVID, and so through this what this authoritarian, draconian measures on the state, you realise that the citizen is a myth. You realise that you are marginally given. Right, that you don't have any, basically, you don't have credit for your life. This is what they always talk about. You don't have any credit. But if you think that you're going to go back to what was before, to what was normal, well, that normalcy allows, allows that. It's The authoritarianism is latent within our way of life because, like as I said, our economy is a command economy. 
And there's a form of exceptionalism that comes with that. So if you don't make an exception to the way how that you were given prior and start to read meaning into that to understand the way how you produce yourself as marginal so you can be managed, the way how you outsource care, the way how you dispose of culture from our everydayness, the way how that you sanction if you are religious, you're going to create your, the question of, of your faith in reference to a, you know, to a supplement, you know, then ultimately you are not going to look at it in a way that you are ultimately addressing your responsibility. And as I always say, the cabal is us. We are more responsible. All right? The cabal is us. It's nothing else. If you recognize that, then you can't be sold on conspiracy theories because you know we allow it. We're ac- we acquiesce. We condone this. So you have to understand the mechanism of your implication for, to, to understand the power that you have to make change. And if you make that with other people, then you're making a change that's not incidental, but that's integral because it's cultural. And if it's cultural, then you're looking at the transmission of that culture and you're looking at the way how that is attractive. And so the attraction is what pulls people outside the holding pattern of being beholden to the bottom line of time or the way how that they get sold on their values so they can align with their values and so therefore they can align with the line made of time. You've got to think that people are captivated. So the captivation is a problem because as I say, we're hypnotized chickens and so therefore to presuppose that you can, um, you know, click your fingers and get a person to see. Well, it just doesn't work like that because the majority of the people aren't even looking at the global pause in reference to the form of life and the way how they produce themselves. So the negative externalities of our production process as consumers, they don't look at it. And so what? once again, it comes down, this begs the question of that civilizational conversation that is the dark precursor to any movement because, you know, actions speak louder than the words, but the act, the the words will point so the pointing is is a, a prerequisite in order for you to step so make a divergent step from a bias journey into a walkabout and so therefore you're on that initiation journey until next time take care